Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Good morning. Um, My name is Josh Holmes. If you haven't met me yet, I'm the outreach director here. Um, And if you haven't met me, I'd be glad to meet you after church. Um, uh, Most of you probably see me outside the walls. What I do mostly is, is serving outside the walls, but using the people inside the walls to be able to to share the name of Jesus in, in multiple different ways. So you may have served with me in Crawford or, or across the, the city, but that's who I am. And I was asked to share my heart this morning um, and something that I've learned uh, within my Christian faith is as, much, as, as, long, as soon as you learn something, give it away. And so that's what I'm gonna encourage you this morning um, to do. And that's what I'm gonna try to share with you today. I don't claim to know everything. I don't claim to, to have it all, all right, but I do know that, um, that God has, has taught me a lot through the years, um, and um, so I'm just going to give you some, some ways that I've, I've tried to live intentionally um, as a Christian every day to, to try to make disciples. Um, so this is not groundbreaking. It's not new information. You guys um, are, are a strong um, body of believers, and I love you guys, and I know that you guys are, are uh, probably know most of these things, but it uses as, as an encouragement um, and um, because I, I've had to use, I've had to wrestle with a lot of this stuff myself. And so um, I think that sometimes we uh, let our cultures and our personalities and our, our um, just earthly things get in the way of making disciples. And so um, I just wanna share how, how I've, I've been able to do some of those things and also I want to encourage you that uh, if you just look to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm broken, but you're good, um, he will use you. I promise that. Um, So God being able to, uh, I started wrestling with this, and I started wrestling with two big questions. The questions were, is disciple making optional? And the answer is no, by the way. That was a quick answer. Um, But the other other question was, how are we making it optional? Because um, I, sometimes I look around and I, I see um, good spiritual disciplines being done, but yeah, statistics show that 25% of Christians are actually making disciples or sharing their faith. Um, and so where, where is the breakdown of that? I was seeing it in my own life. I, I was serving, I was giving them my time, giving my resources, worshiping, but I just I wasn't seeing disciples being made personally and, and throughout my whole life. And so I, I began to to look in scripture, I began to talk to other people, trying to figure out what that looks like. Um, and then, um, so I, 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 I'm just gonna share with you what I, what I learned. Um, and by the way, Jamie, I was reading this to Jamie a couple of days ago and she said, hey, I wanna play a game. How many times do you say make disciples? Um, so if you wanna play that game, just check mark it. And if that's the only thing you remember today is make disciples, those are the only words, then that, that's totally fine with me. Um, but we're gonna read uh, out of Matthew uh, chapter 28, 19 through 20. Um, and it says, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, "'baptizing them in the name of the Father "'and the Son and the Holy Spirit, "'teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, "'and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age.'" So this passage is, is very well known in most churches. It's the Great Commission, after all. This is where, where Jesus charged everyone to go and make disciples, uh, the disciples to do that. 
Um, most churches have it as their form of mission statement. We have it here as helping people find and follow Jesus, and it's a great thing. But even for me, like I, I had this uh, missing part of it. Like we, um, I was trying to do everything, but I still was not not making disciples. So I had this broad view of what discipleship looked like. Um, I had this and. And God, over time, has been narrowing things down for me. And, uh, and so I've read this passage thousands of times, and, and it just whenever I read it in a different way, where it's, it's more a command, it's not a suggestion, um, then it, it really opened my eyes out. And I know that command sounds like a, a, a really strong word, um, but God tells us to do a lot of things um, that are commands that... that um, and. And if we believe that God is good, then we have to believe that his commands are good. Um, so that's our first part, is knowing that God is good. He wants the best for us, and the best for us is his heart. And to, to live in his commands um, it will just be a freedom of life. Um, so th- this is a, a, a command. Like, whenever we think of that command, sometimes we think of, um, you know, we're independent. We, we want to do what we want to do. Um, no one's going to tell us what to do, um, and so that's a great quality to have in business or any kind of worldly thing. But if we want to live countercultural um, to that, we have to transfer that independence to Christ. It's no longer ours. Um, we're we're living for uh, for Christ and what He has for us. So what I, I observed in my my own life is the desire to stop talking about it and just do it. Um, stop making excuses of why I can't talk to this person or making excuses of why I can't do this one thing. Um, I need to humble myself, come before the Lord and pray that he will use me, and then I'll see those opportunities. Those opportunities are already there. We're just, we're not, we're not seeing them clearly because we're not, not letting God use us in those, those ways. So whenever we're living that intentionally, when we're throwing a dart on a dartboard instead of shooting a shotgun and hoping something works, um, there's gonna be some, some cost to those discipleship, um, making disciples, maybe, it may be your family. You may live in a family that does not want you to talk about it. It may be your work. It may be your reputation. Um, but believe me, it's, it's worth it. And I also believe that there's, there's people in other countries that are dying for this. And so and we're, we're very comfortable here to be able to talk. And so if we can't do it here, um, Lord, save us whenever it does come, come a time that we, we have to say it. Um, so, but I do believe there's an, a bigger cost to not uh, sharing what God's given us. And Luke 14, 27 says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I believe that's a, a way bigger cost to not be, to have, be separated from, from God than to have fear of someone making fun of you for, for your faith or what you believe in. Um, so, Times we've we've gone to different countries, um, you know their their costs may be a little bit different. Their cost is their life, um, and so we ask them, why in the world would you do that? Why would you risk your whole life, your family's life, your whole village um, to to share the name of Jesus? Why would you go into a different country that is known for persecuting Christians? And they would say, would never Christian do it? It says it in the Bible. They're like, they're, they're obviously reading the Bible and just immediately putting it in action. Um, and, and we would say, no, not every Christian would. Um, they would analyze it. They would think about it. Um, all those things are, are good, but if we don't act, 
It's nothing. And James 2, 14 and 15, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? We can't just know and believe. We have to act. Our faith is not passive. It is active and alive. We can know the words of Christ, but if we don't really put it into action, many will know his name, but there will be many that, are farther, that, that the Father says, depart from me. You might say, Lord, I did this for you, but it was really just something for yourself, or Lord, I, I love this person, but it was really just for, for your benefit, not, not for God's glory to be shown. So cost of discipleship, there is a cost, and it and it's, um, could be your job, could be your family. I know that's super encouraging. You know, I, wanna, I do want to encourage you in that, but I promise you that it's all worth it because if we truly let God use you, you will know 100% that it's not you that's doing it. It's, it's God working through you. Your character will not be the same. Who I am right now is not who I was. So just to be clear, I'm not speaking of assurance of salvation. I'm I'm simply talking about we have the gift of salvation and what are we gonna do with it now? If you weren't here last week, I suggest you go back and listen to Pastor Blaine talk about that in, in 1 John. But today I'm talking about the gift of salvation and how we, so how we can give it away to every tribe, every tongue, every nation that lives around us all the time. So I wanna, before we go back to, to Matthew, I wanna, um, define a couple of things. So there's discipleship and then there's disciple making. So discipleship is the process of making disciples. And so sometimes we get confused at those, those things and maybe we, we honor the discipleship process more than we do the disciple making. So if you think of, of um, two as like traditions versus commands, commands is making a disciple. Traditions are kind of the way to make a disciple. So discipleship process. So don't be confused by by honoring the wrong things. Um, if, for example, like taking communion. In different countries, um, they take communion differently than we do. We use Welch's grape juice. Doesn't mean you always have to use Welch's grape juice. In Africa, we use Coca-Cola and bread. And there was another village that used mouthwash because it was red. And so it, the, the point of it is the heart of, of remembering what Christ did for us. It's not, it's not the traditions of it. Gathering together is another one. We do it this way because we believe that in our culture that's, that's how it's gonna be translated best. But as, as things change in different cultures, you might see a, a church in a house, you might see a church in a park, you might see a church under a mango tree. Um, it, it, the point is gathering together and where two or three are gathered and Jesus is obeyed and followed and loved, then that's a church. Um, so discipleship is not not a program, it's not a systematic process. It's living intentionally with someone day by day. Now that, that can get messy and that can be really frustrating to some people because people are messy, people have things going on in their life, but if people are the mission of God, then we have to make sure that people are our mission as well. It's not the processes. People are not check boxes or they're not projects that we have to work on. They, there might be people that are in our life that we engage with and it might take a lifetime um, for, for that to come to fruition, but we have to believe that, that it's worth it because Christ is worth it. So let's go back to the question, how do I do this? So if you're taking, a note, taking notes, uh, you write down four things, and I'll explain them throughout the time, but 
I want to look at the Great Commission and break it apart. Go, make, baptize, and teach. Jesus gives us a command to make disciples, and he tells us exactly how to do it. It's not contained to any culture or any time period. Those four things will cross all boundaries. So we're going to read Matthew 28 again. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the first one is go. So meaning as you are going, at work, at home, in your everyday life, go and make disciples. This action's not only, only to someone that would go across the nations or missionaries, but I believe, I, I truly believe that missionaries, if they're not doing it at home, they're definitely not going to do it across the nation. So they had to do it here first. Um, and so that is, you have, you have a unique um, uh, oikos, a unique people influence around you, um, and God has placed you there for a reason. So if we prayed for their souls every day, just pray, earnestly pray. Not, Lord, I wish that they would get their stuff together, but, Lord, how can, how can you please use me and convict their souls so that they are no longer separated from you and, and, and weep for their salvation? Um, you know what would happen? Because it happened to me. It was God would open your eyes to opportunities every single day. People that you've never thought that would come into contact with you, would, you would walk down, the, down downtown street and someone's sitting there at a cafe, at the cafe, just waiting for you to talk to them. Um, we can't wait five years just being friends with people and never say the name of Jesus. It has to be on our lips all the time. So be praying that God will break your heart for those souls that might never have the gift uh, that God gives us through Christ. We can't hold on to that gift. We have to give it away as a gift after all. So it's meant to be given away. So let's think... Think a little bit further of like just your immediate people. If, if they were able to take what you gave to them, if they were making disciples that make disciples, they have family, they have friends, that's upwards to 100 people, all because you just decided to pray and humble yourself to, to, to speak the words that God's already given us. Jesus did it whenever he went um, to Samaria to talk to the woman of the well. He was so intentional. That wasn't an accident that he, he just went that way. He did it on purpose. And he was listening to the Spirit and he was walking in the Spirit. And that's the same Spirit we have. We, if we think that Jesus had, had a different Holy Spirit, it's the same one that we have. He just was able to listen to it a little bit, a little bit deeper than we, we want to. So the, the second one is make disciples. We hear those two words and we might uh, think differently through that. And we might say, wow, that's just... Too much for me. I'm not the person to do that. That's, that's someone that's a pastor or someone in leadership. But um, I truly believe that it has nothing to do with your, your leadership role. It has everything to do with if you are walking with the Spirit, walking in God, walking lockstep with Him. And unintentionally, we've, we've thought that if we serve, if we showed up to church, if we give of our tithes, that that's, that's part of making disciples, that I'm giving to the church so the church can do it. Well, we are the church. We don't do anything that's different than, than, than you can do. Um, we are here to equip you to be able to do the work of the ministry. <clears throat> and those are all good practice, uh, spiritual practices and disciplines. But Jesus said that if you follow me, 
he will make you fishers of men. He, only, he gave you all the tools that you need. A healthy church is known by their fruit, fruit of Christ-likeness and fruit of multiplication of other believers. In John, it says you have to abide with him. Through abiding in him, you will have the heart to desire that, that he desires, which is people. Making disciples comes from intentional relationships. So like I said, 25% of most Christians share their faith. I'm not a, a, a numbers guy per se, but I did play baseball, so stats kind of help me put things in perspective. So if 25% of Christians share their faith, but 47% of unchurched people say they're willing to talk about their faith. That's a gap that people are willing to talk about it. Like Blaine was saying, the drive-through prayer, it's, it's amazing the, the strangers that will just come and talk to you about, about their brokenness and, and, and they're maybe listening more than we are to, to what God has to say and their prodding of their hearts. 68% of, of unchurched people will also join a small group overcoming to a large gathering like this. So I know we're in church and I want you guys here, but invite people to your, your house first. Like invite them to your kitchen table, open up the Bible, talk to them about God. I, I guarantee you there are people who are asking questions that we, we, we think that they're not. They think, we think that they're going to, to have something to say ridiculing. And there might be sometimes that it is, but I really do believe that God is working on people before we even say yes um, to following in his direction. So we, we cannot make making disciples an option. It has to be a command. So every disciple should also make disciples and be discipled. The early church said, you know what, I'm just gonna sit here and be fed. I'm just gonna go to church and do my thing. Then we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here at all. So the point of our, our faith and, and pointing people to uh, glorify God is making disciples. We, we are supposed to be glorifying God and recruit others to be doing that as well. We have to walk with them and we have to end up, um, if, we don't, if we end up not walking with people, we can't just leave them where they are. They said a prayer and gone. That's, we have to keep um, teaching commands um, and if, if then we end up with those 25% that are only doing the work of the ministry. This is not the plan of the church. We've given up way too much ground already and to, we have to talk about Jesus. In Luke 24, Jesus says that, that we will be his witness, not his angels. He says, you, my people, my disciples, will be fulfilled by my spirit, and you will go out to the ends of the earth proclaiming the gospel. This task is only, only for us. It's not for anybody else to be able to, to share who Jesus is in our life. So number three, baptize. So every believer is commanded to be baptized, and as I've come to believe, that it's soon after repentance or immediately after because it's a continuation of living a full life of Christ. It's not something that's just a next step. It's, I, don't, I know that we've, at times, we're like, we just wanna make sure we have everything figured out. Well, God's not waiting you have everything figured out. He's waiting for you to step into faith to be baptized. And an example in scripture is when Philip shared the gospel with the eunuch. As they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. 
Baptism is also a representation of resurrection. It is a symbol of our death with Christ and resurrection to a new creation. Baptism is a public testimony and accountability to one another and the church to proclaim you are free from your sin and Christ has resurrected and defeated the grave. We were able to see that, that today. And we know this, of course, as if you're a believer, that, oh yeah, that's just a normal thing, a baptism, but a new believer wouldn't know these things. So we have to be able to teach the, these, these things to one another. It can't only come from a pastor. We have to know what the commands are ourselves. So that leads into teach. Um, so teachers are about to go back to work, and so I don't want to give you hives right now on teach, having to teach people, but um, most people would say, I'm not a good teacher. This is where I'm, I was at. I'm not a good teacher. I can't teach people. Um, but all, that all really came from the, my, my lack of identity and my lack of confidence in what I was learning. Um, but, but all of us have jobs and skills. Like I've, I've taught my kids how to play baseball. My dad taught me how to play baseball. And um, so some of those things come naturally to me. So when my kids started playing, I was like, I was like well, I'll just see what they do. And they, some of them did not come naturally at playing baseball, so I had to teach them. Um, but what I found was that they were, once they got it, they were teaching their younger brothers how to do it. And so it was, it was, very, it was like immediately transferable. It's a natural thing for kids to be able to want to teach what they already know because they're excited about it. So you cannot teach something you don't know. And that's what I, I learned. I was, I was, I was scared to, t- to tell people about Jesus because I didn't know the word correctly. Um, I didn't know how, how to, I wasn't living it out um, and had to live in confidence that we know the word. Uh, the word is living, it is truth, and yet we think it relies on our abilities and it doesn't. We feel like we don't have the gift of teaching, but in the Great Commission, it doesn't ever say anything about pastors or the educated or the great Christians. It says, go make disciples. It's everyone. It's a command. But if you read a little bit further in uh, verse 16, it says, Now eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw, they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now even the disciples were doubting. So it's natural that we would be wanting to doubt ourselves, wanting to doubt what we have. And I think most of the time it's not doubting, maybe it's not doubting God, but it's doubting our abilities. But, but then immediately after, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. So it didn't change. Just because they doubted didn't mean that he had changed his, his command. So even in our doubt, Jesus still gives us everything we need. Teaching doesn't have to be standing up right here and, and, and teaching this way. It could be teaching your family. It could be teaching another family at, at your dinner table. It could be a group of men teaching each other how to, how to live spiritually and live leading their, their families in love. Jesus taught in so many different places, in synagogues and streets and houses and the well. Share what the, um, he was sharing what God taught him everywhere he went. So that's not limited to, to where we are. I don't know where, where, we've, where we've gotten where we have to get everything together before we share our faith. Just look one step back, back and bring everybody up to, to shoulder height. Um, we, as soon as you become a Christian, you're fully equipped to make disciples. Just teach everyone around you. But you do have to have people around you that are building you up. So disciples have to be discipled and discipled. I'm discipled. I'm discipling others. They're discipling others. The point is we want to be obedient to teach the commands God has given us. 
Teach others to pray, to be baptized, to make disciples, give your resources, love one another, persevere in your faith, gather with other believers. The promise at the end of the Great Commission is pretty amazing. It says, I am with you always until the end of the age. God is working even when we don't even see it. He, he never forsakes us. He never leaves us. There are, there are people in other countries having, in Muslim countries specifically, having dreams and visions where there's no scripture because God's already before, before the scriptures are already there. But the problem is there's not many Christians there to, to teach the commands and translate it. So he's waiting for us to say yes. Just say yes and step in obedience and he'll give us the next step after that. We're not alone in the fact that we, we really just have to surrender everything it's the easiest thing, and it's also the hardest thing for us to do because we want to we want to keep control. But I promise you, if you pray for God to open your eyes and the gospel to gospel opportunities around you, He'll give you everything you need at that moment. But you have to be walking in step with the Spirit to be able to see those things and just say yes. It's all He wants is our yes. So a story that I read, um, you can fact check me later, I guess, but. Um, 1980, Mercedes um, started creating seatbelts and, and um, airbags, and they became making it standard in, their, in their, their cars. And they started building this in the 50s. They didn't start putting it in until the 80s. Um, and so they had done countless tests, and they developed something that could save lives, thousands of lives. And so they could also stand to, to get all of their, their competition out of the way. But they did something that was kind of revolutionary. In 1982, they presented all of their patents to everybody. Um, and now, we don't have a vehicle around us now that doesn't have those standards. And so they asked the CEO what, what he, why he would do that. And he said, we found something that could save millions of lives and we couldn't just keep it for ourselves. So like I said before, the disciples just kept everything to themselves. We, they walked with Jesus. They had everything they needed they, they, yeah, they might have had eternal life, but we wouldn't be here. So the same thing I would say to us is we have something so special. Why would we want to keep it to ourselves? We have to tell people about it. It has to go further than, than our little circle of people. It has to go out, out from that. It has to be in, a, in an everyday intentional move. The Gospel Coalition quotes that, we can't view the Great Commission as a linear task to be fulfilled or finished. It has to be a command that's perpetually obeyed. It's not something that we just say, we did that checkbox. It's, it's an everyday process in our, in our ordinary, everyday lives. It's not, it's, you don't have to live an extravagant life to make disciples. Just live your life and tell people what God has gone, done for you. So I hope this has been encouraging for you to strive for every day. Um, I know that um, may be challenging at some points, but I only share this because it was, it was evident in my life, um, and I, I do believe that to share and, and give away. Um, it seemed like a really big task, but I'm not, I'm not telling you something that doesn't work because it's in Scripture. It works. Um, and so today, um, I'll ask you guys to stand real quick. So the, the first step is prayer. It seems like a big task to make disciples sometimes, but a lot, of, a lot of time, a lot of effort. But the first is to pray. So Chris is gonna sing soon, but we're gonna 
and altars will be open to be able to just pray that God will be able to use you. Um, God will be able to, to open up your eyes to be able to see um, the opportunities in front of you. Maybe you need to repent like I've done over the years of not seeing the opportunity to share your faith and it passing by. Um, maybe you need to pray, just lay those, those people that you have in your head to pray and lay them on the altar for, the, for their souls to be saved so they're no longer separated from God. And also pray that God will use you to, to share those things with them. Maybe you're not a believer today and I, and I beg you that this is the, the perfect place to be able to surrender your, your life to God. And I promise you that what we're talking about today, we'll find somebody that will disciple you and won't just leave you by yourself. Finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.